Alrighty, let's jump in. Let's jump into the Word. So, last week we kind of took the lid off Revelation. Who was here? Who had a revelation of revelation last week? Amen? Amen. We had a revelation of revelation. Well, I want to talk a little bit more into that tonight, because remember we are in a series that is entitled Life 1.0. Now, I know we've stepped up a little bit from the practicalities of money and blended families and Generation Next and media and morals. But really, I think one of the biggest questions facing mankind today is what happens when I die? Right now, for example, uh, just a couple of days ago, I, I got news of my, of my dad, and uh, doctors have given my dad six to eight weeks to live. He's riddled with cancer, stage five renal failure. He has a mass on his spine. He has cancer of the prostate, cancer of the bladder, and, and the doctors say that he hasn't got much time to live. And when I spoke to my dad, he was scared. It's the first time I've spoken to my dad in eight years because he doesn't believe like I do. He, he doesn't believe that, that what I'm doing is right. He's a Jehovah's Witness. And as a result, I am part of the Antichrist if I'm not part of their religion. So when I spoke to him for the first time, just texting, I could, hear his, I could hear his voice saying what he was saying. And I could hear that he was afraid to die. Now, if you're right with Jesus, I don't know about you, but I've been designed to die. What? I've been designed to leave this earthly body and go and be in eternal bliss with the Lord. Amen? I wasn't ever designed to be a Christian. But what do you mean I wasn't designed to be a Christian? I was designed to dwell in the cool of the evening with the Father and I didn't need a Redeemer. My body was made to walk in the presence of God 100% of the time. I didn't have to come through Jesus to get to the Father. My being was made to be with the Father one-on-one -on -one all the time. I was never designed to have to fight the flesh. The human psyche was never designed to walk in pain. The human psyche was designed to be perfect walking in peace and bliss with the Father. The human body was never designed to die. It was designed to live forever. But my spirit man doesn't even, was never ever designed to even have to consider death. We've had to have Jesus Christ sent to us to bring us back into relationship with Him. And when we don't have that relationship, it's not the fear of dying. It's the fear of not being connected to an eternal being. What happens when we die? My father is scared. Right now, my father is scared. And the Lord revealed to me while I was praying that whole night, I was on the floor just praying, hey, Lord, is this the last time I will ever communicate with the being that I call my dad for all eternity? And he said, leave it to me. And I said, but Lord, wh what do you mean leave it to me? What must I do? Must I go back to South Africa? Must I be with him? What's going, what is happening? Why is he so afraid to die? And the Lord, what the Lord said to me, clear, clear, clear. He said, he's not the only one. Remember your call. And the Lord, just for a moment, peeled back the despair of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit realms and roves over the watery deep of this earth, the darkness of this earth, looking for moments, cracks in that darkness to shine light. And he reminded me of how many people out there right now are scared, afraid, have no connection with the heavenly realm and the heavenly Father. He's not the only one, said the Lord. And I forgot, you know what? I'm so busy focusing on getting my life attached to Jesus Christ that I've forgotten that through the attachment of my life to Jesus Christ, I've been given a Holy Spirit role to play and I need to get on with it. I've become so attached to just being okay with God for my own fear and for my own concern that I've forgotten just for a moment the Lord reminded me, and He showed me the realm of the Holy Spirit. And it was Genesis 1, this darkness that covers the surface of the earth, 
that the Holy Spirit is roaming over, looking, 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 searching for a moment in time when someone breaks and says, help. And he attaches that call for help with a light bearer and he marries the two together. And the light bearer is me. Am I hearing where the Holy Spirit is sending me so I can bring revelation of Jesus Christ to others? I've already got the revelation of Jesus Christ in my life. My job now is to be that revelation to others. Did you hear the word? The revelation to others. Can I say it again? The revelation of Jesus to others. Revelation of what? Revelation of you? No. The revelation of how awesome you are? No. The revelation of your blessings? No. The revelation of your malediction? No. The revelation of your gossip and slander around town? No, 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 no. The revelation of Jesus Christ to those who are afraid of dying right now. And I'm not trying to do a Helen Brimstone message. I'm just trying to tell you why we do what we do. But what have we done? We've allowed or, or we've grown a church that is devoid of the revelation of Jesus Christ to others. We have grown into a church where we just absolutely love the revelation of Jesus to me. Wow, I saw Jesus tonight. It was just amazing. How many more times do you need to see Jesus before you get the despair of the Holy Spirit in trying to get you as a light bearer to the situation where he needs you to take Jesus out of the church, not bring him in here all the time? How long do we have to sit going, I need to know my Bible better. I need to see more of Jesus. I need a revelation of the Christ. Oh, I need Jesus in my life. Oh, the devil was all over me today. I need Jesus. Let me tell you something. The devil doesn't stick to a Jesus believer. He sticks to a non-believer. You've got to go and get him off the back of the non-believer, not profess him in this church. We profess Jesus. We don't profess the devil. Ouch. And what have we done? We've, we've grown up in a church and, 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 and Jesus, through the book of Revelation, he opens up with the story of what the church looks like when it's devoid of revelation of him to others. He says, hey, hey John, he, write to the congregation. These congregations have lost the plot. They've lost track of what, what I'm about. They've lost track of what this whole divine, eternal being is about. And, and here's, here's what will creep in, he says. Here's what will come into the hearts of the people if they lose track of what this is all about. And the first thing he says is they will get a spirit of religion. I thought to myself, Lord, what must I do for my dad? Does, and you know what? The last thing on my mind was the sinner's prayer. Well, has he prayed the sinner's prayer? If somebody asked me that, I would have probably given them a big smack. Because you know what? The sinner's prayer is religion. Jesus isn't chasing someone who said some incantation. He's chasing somebody who is so afraid to live life for a moment longer without him. That desperately cries out. If a sinner gives his life in the forest and there's no preacher there to see him witness it, does he still give his life to the Lord? Of course he does. Oh, but he hasn't said the sinner's prayer. Well, maybe he did, you just didn't hear it. We've become so focused, like the church of Ephesus, on the rules and the regulations. We've even made being non-religious a religion. Oh, those Baptists. They tell the story of Jesus Christ. Lighten up. Oh, those Methodists. They tell the story of Jesus Christ. Let them be. You just tell the story of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen? What's with us? And being so judgmental and religious. That's what's going to happen if we lose the revelation of Jesus Christ in our life. Then he says, you know what? Like the, the congregation in Smyrna, we, we might succumb to the spirit of intimidation. Well, what does it mean, the spirit of intimidation? It means we let the world tell us what to believe. In some parts of the world, 
If I was preaching this message, I'd have to submit it to a governing body that would submit it to some political party, government official, to see if I can preach it or not. And you know what? If I was really desperate, I would submit to the spirit of intimidation and feel like, oh, well, we're just Christians. We're just Christians. We have the full revelation of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, all powerful on the inside of us, and we walk around going, oh, I better not say that. And Jesus says to the congregation that's lost the revelation of Jesus Christ that gets the spirit of intimidation, he looks at them and he says, get a backbone. And then he says, yeah, but yes, but there's more. There's a spirit of compromise that will creep in. If we're not keeping our eyes on the prize and we're looking here and we're looking there, we're going, oh, well, it's kind of okay. You know, God is kind of like everybody. And we all create God. And your theme song is Kumbaya, and you smoke something you shouldn't smoke. There is only one Jesus. There is only one way to the Father, and there is only one Holy Spirit. I'm not being religious about that. I'm being biblical. How you find that God and how you work your way through Jesus Christ, I don't give a rip, as long as you work your way through Jesus Christ. But I'm not going to compromise. If God says marriage is X and Y, marriage is X and Y, I'm not going to compromise. But if God says you can worship me by raising your hand or by not raising your hand, I'm not going to make raising my hand a religion. There's some things we compromise on, and then there's some things we don't even dare compromise on. And the crazy thing about the human psyche, the things that we dare compromise on are irrelevant. We, we, we wouldn't dream of compromising on, on no secular music and dancing. But we'll compromise on whether or not Jesus' divinity is true in marriage or not. Like, what's with the human spirit? And that's why Jesus says, you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't know about you, but I come from an English-European background. We drink tea. There's nothing worse than lukewarm tea. Either hot or ice cold, but don't give me tepid. Like, what's with that? It's the same with a nice piece of steak. Either give it to me blue or give it to me well-cooked. Don't give me this blood-oozing garbage in the middle. Am I making sense? Like, let's do it properly or let's not do it at all. That's what Jesus says. Then he says, you, because you're going to be so hurt if you don't have my healing and you don't have my emotional stability in the forefront of your mind, you're going to get to the spirit of control. Remember last week we said we get to control when we hurt. We try and control people away from our hurts. It's called the spirit of Jezebel. Control and manipulation. That's what happens when you try and make people believe something about you that's not true. Or you tell a mistruth about somebody else that changes the belief in their mind about that person. It's called gossip. Gossip, manipulation, slander, it's right up there with demonism. Why? Because it's steering people away from the truth. And who's the father of the ones that steer people away from the truth? Satan the devil. Then we get to Philadelphia, the spirit of inferiority. Oh, woe is me. We get to the, 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 the congregation of Laodicea, the spirit of pride. And so it goes. If we don't have the revelation of Jesus in the forefront of our minds, that's what's going to creep, not into the church, into the heart of the church. Who's the heart of the church? You and me. This is not something that a congregation has. I don't walk into a congregation down the road, oh, the spirit of pride's there. No, I walk up to somebody in the church and go, there's pride there. There's inferiority here. There's control there. It's, it, the church is not some holistic thing that happens. No, the church is you. You bring the Spirit into the congregation. So therefore, if a church like us has lost its power, we've lost focus on the revelation of Jesus Christ because one of these spirits has been allowed to creep into our church. One of these attitudes has been allowed to change. So Jesus says, look at what happens to the people when they don't have me. Isn't that what God said? Look at what happens to the people when they can't see me. So they better see Jesus. So he sends Jesus so that we can all see him. A couple of years later, 
Jesus looks at his congregation and says, what's going on? Look at what happens when they don't reveal me. Okay, I better reveal myself so that, that at least John can go and tell the congregation what I'm really like. Because I'm not proud. I'm not manipulative. I'm not, I'm not all those other things. I am this. And so then he gets into the story and he says, John, check this out. When you get Jesus, the Holy Spirit is able to take you on a journey of revelation that will take you to a place of anointing and glory that you've never seen before. Can I say that again? When you get Jesus, the Holy Spirit will take you on a journey through anointing and into glory that you've never experienced before. This is what happened to John. John got Jesus. Trust me, John got Jesus. But then he got the Holy Spirit to reveal to him what Jesus was now doing and in a space of glory that he'd never experienced before. He had never seen Jesus seated on the eternal divine throne. Oh, he had seen him as the Messiah. He'd seen him resurrected. He'd seen him all those things. But he'd never ever seen the glory that is Jesus revealed. In our minds, we think of God's glory revealed in Jesus the man. That wasn't God's glory revealed in Jesus the man. That was God's love revealed in Jesus the man. You want to see God's glory and Jesus' glory? Read the book of Revelation. Because that's where God peels back the realm of heaven and says, John, check this out. But before he shows John what Revelation looks like and, and what things are happening in this divine world, beasts and harlots and crazy wheels within wheels and eyes of beasts, and he says, don't be afraid. So why is it that we read Revelation and we get afraid when it says this in Revelation 1.17? Do not heal to fear. When you read these things, do not be afraid. Why? Here's why. <laughs> Jesus does this. He, he states a Revelation statement about himself. I am the beginning and I am the end, he says in verse 18. The living one. I was dead, but now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world, unseen world, dark world. Oh, hey, whoa, whoa, Genesis 1, 1 to 3. The world was dark and then God said, the light didn't stop shining after creation. The light didn't stop shining at the cross. The light didn't stop shining at the resurrection. The light didn't stop shining at the ascension. No, he says to John, check this out. I am the light. I am alive. I am well. I'm seated on my throne. Do not fear. There's a whole lot that's going to happen in your world, John, and in the world to come. But do not have fear if you have the revelation that I am the beginning and the end, that I was dead and now I'm alive and I've been ascended to the heaven. You will walk out in my glory. You will behold my anointing and you will see your future. Come on now. I don't need to read Revelation to see my future. I need to get a revelation of Jesus to see my future. What's my future? Reigning in heaven. Why? Because I'm part of Jesus. You see, this process first reveals the church without Jesus, and then it goes on to unveil Jesus. Isn't that what it said in Revelation 1.1? It's the unveiling of Jesus. But if Jesus is the head of the body, unveiling Jesus is unveiling the body. Yeah? If, for example, and, and it, I'm, I'm, I was a paramedic, so I saw this very many times, parents and, and people would have to come and identify a body. And we covered them in a sheet. We didn't whip back the sheet by their feet for them to identify the body. Did No. We unveiled the head and so unveiled the whole body. You with me? So when we peel back and see where Jesus is, that's where we are. When we identify the head, when we unveil Jesus, the head of the body, in so revealing the head of the body, we reveal the whole body, you and me. Yeah, Revelation isn't about revealing the evil demons and the dragons that are going to gnaw at your bones and the red stars that are going to fall from heaven called wormwood. It's about revealing the Christ so that you know where you're going. Don't try and use Revelation to plot when Jesus is coming back. Just know that he's come back already. In your heart, he's come back already. That's all I need to worry about. 
when he comes back and destroys this system and whether or not we're in the millennium now and then and we're going to get raptured before or after or the demons are going to come and then the fourth bowl is actually this bowl and you know, you know what? Uh, only bowl I want to worry about is the chocolate cake that my wife's making in that bowl because that's a good bowl. I just know that what Jesus has to go through, I'm going to go through with him. It's not about what I have to go through and Jesus follows. No, no, it's what Jesus is going through and I get to follow. Into all glory. So check this out. When, we are, when he is unveiled, we are unveiled. So when it reads, and he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church, Jesus is everything we need in the church. And because Jesus is in us, Jesus in us is everything we need for us to accomplish everything in his body. Am I making sense? This is what it says in Ephesians 1, to 23. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth. What's been revealed in heaven has been revealed on earth. Didn't, oh, hang on a second. Are you trying to tell me that the Lord's prayer was prophetic? Of course I believe that the Lord's Prayer was prophetic. That that which is happening in heaven also happened on earth. Hang on a second. So the revelation of Jesus Christ is actually the revelation of us on earth. Am I, am I making sense? When we see what Jesus is up to in heaven, it's what we are up to in heaven whilst on earth. Does that make any sense to anybody? I hope it does. And then it says this. And that which fills him, the body fills him while he is filling it. So while he's busy coloring you in, you're busy coloring him in. You see, it's a mutual revelation. If you're part of his body and he's being revealed, you're being revealed. So what happens to Jesus in heaven is what happens to you in heaven. Doesn't matter what happens to the demons that were cast out with the star called Wormwood. Oh my word, am I going to be judged? No, no. It, it, it only matters what happens to Jesus in heaven. And what happens to Jesus in heaven at the end of Revelation? He wins. Therefore, the revelation is the fact that this is our victory in Christ. Robert Craig, what about the mark of the wild beast? I mean, I believe that it's a barcode in Walmart. Just saying. It's actually the Apple Watch, because you know you can pay with your Apple Watch. And doesn't it say somewhere in Revelation that it's going to be a means of payment? And that's how. Let me tell you something. Whether you go into eternity with a Walmart barcode or you go into eternity with an Apple Watch, you win if you're with Jesus. If he needs his church not to buy an Apple Watch, trust me, he will tell his church not to buy an Apple Watch. And we will all know not to buy an Apple Watch. Just saying. But we get so caught up in this rhetoric of fear, whereas Revelation opens and says, do not get caught up in fear. Just reveal yourself with me and me with you. I will fill you up, you will fill me up, and we'll be good. Check it out, Colossians 3, 4 says it. And as Christ himself has seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. As Christ has showed off who he really is to John, you too will be seen in Christ. Why? For you are now one with him, where? In his glory. John needed to know Christ. Then he needed to admit that he was slain in the Holy Spirit. It says so in Revelation. You want to ask, where does the story come about being slain in the Holy Spirit? Well, if John can be slain in the Holy Spirit, so can I. Amen? I'm not saying it's a thing that I do all the time. It's happened to me maybe two or three times. According to Revelation, it only happened to John six times. Every time he got a new vision, he was laying in the Spirit. Well, every time I've got a revelation of that depth of Jesus Christ, I've been flat on my back. It happened to me two nights ago. I try to get up. Oh, believe you me, I try to get up. And the Lord said, I'm your father, and I'm not finished dealing with you about your earthly father. And so, when we have a look at this, I'm in with Jesus in his glory. But what does Jesus' glory look like? If I'm in glory with Jesus, what does it look like? Read Revelation. 
It, it, it describes it. Re revelation is not something that can just be described, though. Re revelation is something that must be discovered. You tracking with me? Why? Because revelation is understanding. Revelation is getting Jesus. We don't come to church to figure out Jesus in me. We come to church to figure out me in Jesus. We don't come to church and go, oh, I need some Holy Spirit. No, we come to church to say, Holy Spirit, where are you sending me? Oh, I just need, I just need, to, I just need to read my Bible. I've had a bad day. I need to go to church and just top up. Top up. Are you trying to tell me that the presence and the revelation of Jesus Christ runs out like gas in a motor vehicle? You top up at the gas station. You don't top up at church. Oh, I've just come for my Holy Spirit injection. Whatever. You are busy residing in the full glory of Jesus Christ in the heavens. You are seated at his right hand on a beautiful, beautiful emerald pavement that looks like a sea of eternity with diamonds about your head and crowns at your feet. You don't need no top-up. You see, the best way we can have a look at Jesus and we say, oh, Jesus the highest. The best way we can put Jesus as at, on the highest is by seeing him in his highest and then seeing ourselves in the same glory. Otherwise, you have made Jesus' work null and void. If Jesus came to get you to raise him up with the right, at the right hand of God and you want to stay down here, you've nullified what Jesus' glory means in your life. The true glory of Jesus is not, is not understood. It's not, it's not something you read about. It's not something that's described. It's, it's close your eyes. Focus on His glory, know of His glory, and let the Holy Spirit take over and reveal who His glory is, and then reveal that you are in that glory. It's not Jesus' glory. Colossians tells us, 3 verse 4, that we are one in His glory. So when we read Revelation, it's the unique deposit of the fullness of every truth in Scripture wrapped up in the person and the glory of Jesus Christ. Can I say that again? It's, Revelation is the unique deposit of the fullness of every truth in every scripture, wrapped up in the presence and the person and the glory of Jesus. When I read Leviticus, I'm reading the wrapped up presence and glory of Jesus and how he came. When I'm reading Deuteronomy, I'm reading every truth of Jesus Christ revealed, fulfilling the law to the very letter, wrapped up in the beautiful personage of Jesus Christ. When I read about salvation through sacrifice in the nation of Israel, I'm reading about a sacrifice made once for all time that would make sure that I'm seated at the right hand of God and I'm dwelling in the present glory of Jesus Christ. And then you need to go outside the camp and wash yourself for three days. And three days you may return to the priest, and the priest will declare you clean. And the priest will offer up a propitiatory sacrifice of two birds and one fish. And Ebed Milech begat Abalbibab, and Abalbibab begat Jimbihibagab. You've got to get to a discipline of seeing Jesus' Christ beauty and glory wrapped up in every single word of the Bible. Every moment of Scripture is pointing towards the revelation of Jesus, not just for His glory, but for yours. He didn't write the Bible to glorify Himself. No, He wrote the Bible so that you could have a revelation of our glory. Everything in Scripture is pointing towards the glory of Jesus so that we can walk as glorified light dwellers in this earth. Revelation is the unique deposit of the fullness of every truth in Scripture wrapped up in the person and the wonder and the glory of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean? Where do we go from, from here? Well, now my notes have come to an end. 
and I've still got four minutes and 16 seconds. So hold on tight because we're going to blow your hair back. Open your Bibles if you dare to Romans cha- Revelation chapter 4. John's vision of the glory of Jesus. We're not reading just about Jesus' glory, right? We're reading about our glory. His and ours wrapped up in one. So when it suddenly sees this heavenly portal open before me, close your eyes for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what John saw. I'm just reading what John saw. This is very scary. I don't know. I prefer reading Mark. (sighs) You see, when Paul said to his disciples, press on to maturity, it meant press on and don't just see the earthly glory of Jesus Christ, see his heavenly glory also. He said, cast out demons, heal the sick. That's all earthly glory. Check out what we're going to achieve in heavenly glory. We're going to slay Satan the devil together. I can't wait to saddle up and ride out at the day of Armageddon. Can't wait. I can't wait to watch Jesus cast that beast into the ocean for the last time and go, that must suck. I can't wait to laugh at the Antichrist in all my glory. Whose glory? Jesus' glory. Whose glory? Our glory. Glory like Satan the devil will never, ever, ever have in my life. Why? Because Satan the devil has been chucked out, kicked out, and he will never be able to go back, whereas I'm in there right now, seated at the right hand of God. So there, Satan. There. Ha! telling me I'm sick. You know who I am? I'm the evidence glory of the Most High God in your presence. Thank you very much. Sit down, shut up, and die. Oh, but you know, I'm so sick. I'm so depressed. Stop being a glory robber. You glory thief. You come and suck the life and the glory out of everybody else around you because you don't feel like you're glorified enough. So you've got to gossip about other people and speak badly about other people just to bring us all down to your level. Stop it. I'm risen to the right hand of God. I'm not going to tolerate you government telling me what I need to believe and what authority my Father has over me or not have over me. I believe in the Father and I'm in the glory of Jesus Christ. A glory that you will never be able to give me, never be able to legitimize in front of me. I am the glory of Jesus Christ. Walking, talking, Messiah to you. I'm not talking about being prideful and haughty. I'm just talking about peeling back and having a look at who I am in Jesus Christ and getting some gumption about it. Do you use the word gumption? If you don't, look it up. It's in Google. Instantly, he says, I was taken to the spirit realm. Woo! A mere mortal can go to the spirit realm? Gee, get me a ticket. I saw a heavenly throne set in place and someone seated upon it. His appearance was sparkling like crystal and glowing like a carnelian gemstone. Surrounding the throne was a circle of green light, like an emerald rainbow. Woo, this is some throne. Encircling the great throne were 24 thrones with elders in glistening white garments. Who are the elders? Who cares? It's glorious. Am I an elder? Who cares? You're glorious. You'll be somewhere there in the throne room. Am I making sense? I've done study on who these things are. If you want to know who they are, I can come and tell you what my opinion is. It goes on. They're wearing golden crowns and pulsing from the stone were blinding flashes of lightning. Oh, that's God's judgment. No. Have you ever had an aha moment with God? That's because one of those lightning bolts from his throne has just hit you. Come on now. Hit me, God. You can hit me with everything you got. Satan, you got no control, but you can hit me, Father. Hit me with one of those lightning bolts. It's not judgment. It's edification. It's encouragement. It's exhortation. Hit me. Around the throne, it says, and on each side, oh, here we go. Here we go. Stood four living creatures. This is where it gets scary. Full of eyes. Oh. In front and behind. They can see everything I'm doing. 
The first living creature resembled a lion. Yes, please, comes from Africa. Come on now. The second an ox. The third a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Eagle in flight. I will lift you up and you will soar. Anyway. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, wings full of eyes around, and under their wings they worshipped without ceasing day and night, singing, Holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, the was and is and the coming. Now, now one of the ancient fathers of our faith says this. He says, the four living creatures are representative of the four Gospels. That's one theory. We go to Ezekiel, there's four creatures, and they represent God's complete love justice, wisdom, and power. Whichever one you choose, it's okay. The four beasts, they're on our side. Yeah? And you will notice that the four living beasts who are on our side control everything else that happens in Revelation. They switch on the four winds. They switch off the four winds. They pour out the four bowls. They bring about healing after the four bowls. They blow the trumpets. They command the angels. Everything that happens in Revelation from here on outwards is done by the four beasts who are on our side. So anything that the four beasts do are for your benefit, not your detriment. Why? Because you are in glory and they are here to minister to you. God's wisdom ministers to you. God's love ministers to you. God's justice ministers to you. God's power ministers to you. Not the other way, oh, I'm seeking God's power, just waiting for the power of God to come upon me. No, the power of God is serving you. That's the incredible mystery of the Father. The supreme glorified being has all justice, all wisdom, all power, all might, all glory. And you know what he does with it? He puts it to work on his church. I have to seek God's glory. I'm in the presence of His glory. I have to seek God's power. I'm in the presence of His power. I am His power. I am ministered to by His power. I am wisdom. I am power. I am love. Why? I'm made in the image of these four beasts. I look like an ox, but it's okay. Because I roar like a lion. And I love like a human being. And I can do the things that God has called me to do in the heavenly realm because He made me in His image, not the image, hands and feet image. No, 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 no. In the glorified image of Jesus Christ, all-powerful King, ruler, being ministered to by the perfect love, wisdom, justice, and power of the Father. Wow. This book is pretty good. I think I can read some more. And then he goes on. Oh, here we go. Number five. Get scary. The unopened scroll. Well, only Jesus could unlock the wonderful glory of heaven to us as human beings. Only Jesus. So he was the only one who could open up the story. Finish. Next chapter. That's what it's about. It's about declaring how wonderful Jesus is. Don't you agree Jesus is pretty wonderful? Don't you agree he's unlocked some secrets in your life? Maybe you've got seven seals. Maybe you, like me, have got 296 seals that needed to be opened before Jesus could step into my life. It doesn't matter. Jesus is the only one who could reveal this incredible story and revelation of his glory. I'll make you see. And so when we have a look at Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, look at how it ends. Then I look and I saw myriads of angels, myriads of angels, in circles around the throne. Oh, my word. If I'm seated at the right hand of God, I'm not, I'm not worshiping the throne. I am being worshipped with God. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not trying to say that our, our being, our presence is greater than God. But the fact that He invites us into this inner circle of glory makes Him even more magnificent than us. Because by grace, I don't deserve to be there. I don't deserve to be ministered to by His love, justice, justice, wisdom, and power. I don't deserve to be part of this, this vision, but I am. And there we are, being ministered to. Praise and honor and all glory and dominion to the Father, the God enthroned. And the 24 elders threw themselves face down on the ground and worshiped God. Some say that the 24 elders are those who look after the church. So they're representatives of all of us. Because you know what? There's just so much that John's mind could take in. 
It's like the United Nations. They represent a whole bunch of nations, but there's only like two or 300 people in the room. It doesn't matter. They all represent the people. The people have a voice there because they have a representative there. Well, these 24 angels represent you and I, and we get to worship the Father forever and ever in that glory. Why? Because he gave us that glory. So we owe him. We want to. We want to worship. When we're on the presence of the earth, we don't do it because God's looking to give us a whole lot of rules and we're trying to earn our place in heaven. No, we have a place in heaven. That's why we do what we do. Are we making sense? Are you with me? All of a sudden, revelation isn't that bad, right? It's not that hectic, right? Now, these theories are mine. Isn't it cool that revelation is to be experienced, not described? You go and read this book and have your own revelation of Jesus. You go and find this book and see your own glory. Well, what does the 24 elders, Lord, mean? I don't know. Craig said it means this, but I don't know. Let me go and find out. I'm just telling you my excitement. I'm just telling you how, how overall, overall I am to know the glory of Jesus in my life. And that no matter what I've done, I'm in heaven. I can close my eyes and say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus on his throne. Because right now, I've lost sight of the revelation of Jesus in my life. And I got the spirit of oppression creeping in. I got the spirit of depression creeping in. I've got this spirit and that spirit creeping in my life. And the only way to push back the spirits is to get revelation of Jesus in your life. And the only one who can reveal Jesus to you in any one moment is the Holy Spirit. He did it for John. Don't come to church looking for Jesus to be in you. Come to church and say, Holy Spirit, Show me in Jesus. Jesus is doing the in me bit. I need to be the in Jesus bit. Jesus has given me the glory. I need to give Jesus the glory. Am I making sense? And so when we have a look, praise and honor to this God and Father. And you know what? In two short sessions, we've covered Revelation 1 through 5. Next week, we'll cover Revelation 6 through 21 in one week. Because you know what? Then it goes on to some bowls and something's going to happen to evil people and I'm not evil and then there's going to be some other things that happen and then there's going to be some more worship which I'm involved in and then the first trumpet comes and then there's a rainbow algae and then John eats the throat and the, and, and the, the scroll and then there's a woman clothed with the sun and then there's the beast from the earth and the beast out of the sea and then there's all of those things that are going to happen to all the bad people and the people who don't get revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation 21, new heavens and new earth. That's for me. I'm not saying gloss over this. Read it. See God's revelation, but see God's triumph in that. Isn't it awesome that even though we can read all of these things, we don't have to put timelines to it. Why? Because timelines is law. Look at, look at some of the revelations that have happened recently, like the Mayan dates of end of times. It's going to happen on this day. Isn't that law? Jesus says, don't seek the time of the Son of Man. Don't seek it. Why? Because you're going to go back to the law. And so when we have a look at Revelation, just know that all the Holy Spirit wants to do is He wants to reveal Jesus to you so that you can understand the glory that is available to you if you will allow the Holy Spirit to direct you towards it. Revelation cannot be described. It has to be experienced. You know what? John wasn't the last guy to have a vision of heaven. One of the most, most amazing turning points in my own journey was Jesus gave me a glimpse of the home he was preparing for me in heaven. I've seen it. If I get there and it's anything less than that, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to call my realtor and say, listen, this is not what you sold me. Because Jesus gave me a vision. I know it's a vision. And the crazy thing was, it wasn't the house that I got. It wasn't the place that I got. But Jesus was cutting my hedge. Because he's the gardener, right? And you know what? I've got people describing, you know, when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to come running down the streets paved with gold and he's going to welcome you in. Well, you know what? If my son arrives home from school, I don't run down the driveway and hug, his hug him. I kind of look up from my laptop and go, hey, son, and carry on working. Because I expect him to be there. It's where he belongs. 
So the vision that Jesus gave me was as he was cutting my hedge, I arrived and walked up the garden path. And with the cutter still in his hand, he looked at me and he gave me the raised eyebrows and carried on cutting the hedge. Why? Because I got such a sense of this is where you are expected to be. This is where you've been for all eternity. Why would I welcome you into a place where you've been all this time? My glory. My glory. Knowing that it's not a surprise for Jesus for me to be in heaven. It's expected. Hey, nice to see you. Jesus wants you to know tonight that he didn't just come to this planet to get a revelation of God to you. He came to this planet to reveal himself so that you could get an understanding, not just of where he was on the planet, but where he was going to, to go and prepare the place of glory for you. Oh, so I'm going to get there. No, no. He's prepared it in your revelation. He, it's always been there. Your place of glory has always been there. He just prepared the portal for you to see it. And that portal is the moment you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. Because when you receive that Holy Spirit into your life, now I can close my eyes and see heaven in the spirit realm. I know this sounds crazy theology. This is like, whoa, Pastor Craig is getting really deep. Well, here's why. We are currently living or going through a, per a period or a, a series right now of Life 1.0, right? That's what it's called. The Lord revealed to me today the reason we're going through these things is because out there, it's no Life 1.0. And our job is to take the glory of Jesus so that there can be light and life. Didn't Ephesians tell us that it's only through him there can be light and life? So therefore, it's only through the revelation of Jesus. I'm not just taking, you know what, the world is sick and tired of us telling us about Jesus. Oh, you need Jesus. You judgmentalists. They don't need Jesus. They need a revelation of Jesus. A deep-seated, wrapped up in the in the arms of Jesus moment where they can close their eyes and they can not just see Jesus dangling on a cross, but see the risen glorified Jesus and them in him and him in them. Christians, stand up for a moment and understand this. We are weak and immature because we're looking for Jesus for us and not us in Jesus. You are in him. Now, all of a sudden, the final prayer to those disciples, the final prayer to those disciples is a prophetic prayer. It's a revelation prayer. I am in you and you are in them. Thank you, Father, for giving them. Thank you, for God, Father, for raising them. Thank you, Father, for giving them unto me. Thank you, Father, that I am raised unto the right hand and they with me. All of a sudden, that prayer is as part of the book of Revelation as Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is. Heaven is real. You're in it. Right now. I don't have to die to go to heaven. Heaven is now. Heaven is real. We've been called to be seated at his right hand if we get the revelation of Jesus. Here's my question to you tonight. You might have received Jesus, but have you had a revelation of him? Oh, I'm Christian. Oh, you might be Christian. You were never designed to be Christian. You were designed to be present in the glory of God 24-7. I was never designed to have to believe in Jesus Christ. I was designed to just know Him. I was never designed to have to beg my flesh to submit to the Holy Spirit. I was designed just to walk with Him. I was never designed to have to go out and beat myself up to try and have a relationship with God. I was designed to be in permanent fellowship with the Father. The human body was never designed to even have to go through the pain of childbirth, let alone the pains that you are going through. The human body was never designed to have to have doubt. You were made to walk in the assurance of faith. 
The human race was never designed to have multiple theologies, multiple understandings, multiple politics, multiple anything. It was designed to have multiple expressions of the revelation of God. The human brain wasn't designed for survival of the fittest. No. It was designed to glorify the highest. You weren't designed to carry the troubles you're carrying. That's why Jesus came to take them away. So you could get rid of all of the things that clutter your revelation of Jesus and see Him, know Him, and see yourself in Him. You are good enough to be part of the heavenly glory. Jesus' story didn't end when He waved goodbye to His disciples as He was elevated on the cloud. No. Jesus' story will never end because through Him, you have been given eternal glory. The glory is one thing. The eternity, quite another. This is your story. The book of Revelation is your revelation. The book of Revelation is the story of the head of the body. The body will follow wherever Jesus goes. Your body has been called. Your mind has been called. Your being has been called to be the body of Jesus Christ on this earth. Not so that you can look good. Not so that your body can grow strong. No, so that the rest of the world, the watery deep of darkness, can see the light of day. That is how we express the glory of Jesus Christ. Called by the Holy Spirit. Sent by the Holy Spirit. And speaking in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian. That's okay. That'll get you into heaven. But man, I'm about bringing heaven down here. That'll get you there. Oh, you'll step into the glory of Jesus. But why wait? I'm not sitting around any longer waiting for Jesus to come back when He's already said to me, I'm back. I'm in your heart. I'm alive and well. I'm ready to go. Are you? I'm tired of hearing stories of men and women that are fearful to die because I didn't have the gumption and the glory to speak out when I could have. I hated instead of loved. The Holy Spirit weeps. He weeps. Because the glory of Jesus is saying to all of us tonight, I want every single one saved. I don't want anybody living in fear. I just want them to have a revelation of me. You are that revelation. You are the one that's called to love your enemies and hate what is bad. You are called. Don't let the last breath of your life be one of fearful declaration of Jesus in your life. Let the first breath of your life be the one where you declare the glory and the light of Jesus Christ shining from you for anybody and everybody to see. This is your moment right now to close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, I will never shrink back, look back, or go back. I am glorified and I will shine your glory no matter where I go, no matter what that father has done to me, no matter what my next door neighbor has done to me. I will love like you love. I will forgive like you forgive. And I will walk out in boldness like you walk out in boldness. This is my day of glory. Thanks be to him. The Holy Spirit is weeping because daily people are living in fear instead of revelation. The book of Revelation is the story of your glory. Now go and walk in it. Don't look back. 
just this morning, I said to the Lord, Lord, I need help. I said, this is what I'm planning to do today. He said to me, don't you dare do it. Because if you do that, you're not going to see the miracle I have in store for you. I got a miracle waiting for you. And if you make your own plans, you're going to navigate your way around my miracle. That's the glory of Jesus. He's still got two and a half hours to go before. I'm waiting. Don't, don't take a moment longer. Step onto your dream of showing God glory. If it's to preach, find a place to preach. If it's to prophesy, find a place to prophesy. If it's to give, give with everything you've got. If it's to heal, heal. If it's to encourage, encourage. But get on with it. Because who knows? One day you might receive a telephone call from one of your loved ones who's petrified of dying because they haven't received the revelation of Jesus Christ in all His glory. Let's pray. Father, as we come to Your throne through the name of Jesus Christ, oh, God just told me something right now. He says, do you know what it means to come to my throne? It means to get the revelation of the one seated upon it. As we come and receive a revelation of Jesus Christ, Father God, we see our glory in Him and Him in us. Oh, the things we've thought. Inferiority, pride, religious. Oh, the things we've learned, the things we thought we know, the things we thought were right, all pale into insignificance when we step into your glorious revelation. Father, see us throwing down our crowns. See us throwing down our all and worshiping you with everything that we've got. See us completely sold out to who you are because you were sold out to who we were. Not downtrodden, not broken, not inferior. No, you were sold out to us in all of our glory. You saw us in the heavenlies before we could even dream of being there. Thank you for making us a little piece of heaven. Thank you for being in us. Oh, Father, the things that we do to prop ourselves up, the little strongholds that have got hold of us, the little addictions that we do, the little things that we say to get by, all pale into insignificance when we step into your glory. So right now, I pray God's glory on those in addiction right now. Because if you get a revelation of his glory, the addiction will go out the window. I pray God's glory be revealed to every single person here whose body is craving alcohol. Body is craving a drug. Body is craving some attention. Body is craving something other than the revelation of Jesus Christ in their lives. Holy Spirit, minister to us right now. Show us heavenly Jesus. Show us heavenly us. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's people, said amen. Alrighty, it's time. Can we have a microphone or online will probably cut that. We'll probably cut directly after that prayer so you don't have to worry about what you're sharing now as being broadcast to the world. What have you got? What did Jesus say to you tonight? Anybody want to start? Who's got something? What did, what did Jesus reveal to you tonight? Come on. All right, here we go. 
Pastor Farmer, please. Thank you. For years, I've had people tell me I need a revelation of, of Jesus. In and out of church for 60 years, I've heard a lot, a lot of God's Word. But never like this. Anybody else want to share? Any questions? You guys all processing? You can hear the cogs clicking. Go and read your Bible. Just go and read your Bible. Not because you have to, but because every word reveals God's glory and every word reveals your glory. Every word. In the beginning, there was light. Wow. Oh, Jesus made the stars in the heavens. Well, no, there was light. In a dark place, there was light. Three chapters later, I will send my son and he will conquer you, Satan. Well, let's stand. If there's no more questions or comments, let's stand. Let's be blessed. I know it's heavy, but I hope there's a lightness in the heaviness. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your love. Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing Jesus to us not just sending us to Jesus.